Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. I am TK. Hey, TK. Yeah, we're your hosts. We're going to be breaking down the New Revised Standard of the Bible today, um, starting with uh, Samuel 27. But we also like to let people know what we talked about last time. And, oh, wait, I was wrong. We're going to be reading Samuel 25. (laughs) 25, 26, and 27. Correct. Yeah, last time on the Bible Breakdown, um, we went through this whole cat and mouse thing with David and Saul. And I still can't, I mean, for me, I'm reading from the subtext that there is a strong possibility that there may have been a sexual relationship between David and Saul. I have no doubt in my mind there was a sexual relationship between David and Jonathan. I'm learning all of this for the first time, so I'm just taking all of this in. Um, That's what she said. I hope so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I actually find it fascinating because of the, I guess, underlying homoerotic tension that we've been reading in the good book um and the fact that homo um sexuality is such a frowned upon thing at least in the western world i, I can't well i guess in the entire the whole world well, i can only I speak for the since, western world but i'm a, i'm gonna I think since we've mostly places. gone to black churches i mean i went to an integrated church but that's like a type of black church like it's very frowned upon like those that's one of the things that um you know can uh like you said it's ironic because it's not like the bible hones in and on it a ton but you would think that that was the main thing the bible was taught like preaching against it's not for it but it doesn't mention it as much as like grain and cattle have we read anything that outright states that it's wrong though yeah leviticus okay um do you want me to cite it i feel like i should be no, official no, no, no. I, was, I was gonna i was gonna i mean leviticus was a big it was a big book let's say i want to say leviticus 17 maybe so uh, yes leviticus you were correct um leviticus 18 you were close you said 17 oh i knew uh, i was so close in Leviticus 18, particularly two things popped up, two different passages. One, Romans, we have not gotten to that. But Leviticus 18 um, says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And that was in the okay. Old Testament, which we're still in, I guess. Yeah, huh. most of the Bible is the Old Testament. Fun fact about the Old Testament, it's just, you know, Judaism. Um, that's why... Um, you find so much anti-Semitism in evangelical and like sort of Christian faiths. It's because they don't want you finding out their little secret. They just ripped it off from the Jews. Yeah, you know, I uh, I read something the other day. 
and I reposted it and I well I saw that you liked it but I was really um, interested by the quote that said you know you should not be afraid of someone who has a library and reads many books you should fear someone who has only one book and considers it sacred and he has never read it yeah I not only liked it I sent it to you did you send that to me I did I don't remember you sending that to me. I sent it to you on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, I thought you, you liked. It. I thought you liked. I and I liked it. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Regardless, the information. Okay, so thank you for sending me that. Yeah. So I don't know. I just found that fascinating because it's like, man, a lot of people still have not read this. Um, nope. And you think it'd be something they'd really want to get to, like. Like, think of, I don't think the God of the Universe wrote this book, but back when I did, I was like, I should really be reading this all the time. Like, the God of the Universe wrote us a book. This is a huge deal. And people are kind of like, eh, I'll just trust uh, Joel Olstein to tell me what it's about. He's got big teeth. Well, well, one, people don't like reading. That's just it. Why do you think that is? Because... I think it's a combination of things, but I think a lot of it, at least in modern day, is people want their information quick, and they don't, we don't, most people don't like to be patient for things, and I think technology has advanced to the part, to the way that, that's just kind of how we are now, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, because, you know, there are moments where expediency is great. But I think it kind of messes up a lot of interpersonal relationships because you always want something quick, whether it's an answer from somebody or rushing a relationship and or or even like people take the, the joy out of things themselves mm. because like and then I think it gets into this realm of entitlement where it's like TK is preaching <laughs> I think it gets into this realm of entitlement because I I have to as a consumer of media and entertainment media like video games and movies I have to step back sometimes and in and, and not look at previews or spoilers or whatever because I have to keep reminding myself like I want when I go there I I want to enjoy the thing and it's bothered me lately I don't know why so much, I guess, but it's bothered me a lot. Particularly, I'll give an example. Grand Theft Auto 6 video game. Grand Theft Auto is a massive franchise by Rockstar. Grew up playing those games. And to be fair, Grand Theft Auto 5 has been out for 10 years. Rockstar has remastered this game elite like three or four times. And to be fair, it is kind of time for them to drop some new shit. But with that also being said, the shit that I see people say online, like how they're upset at this company for not giving them something, when this company never said, like they said they were working on it, they never said when the fuck it was coming out. And so I just feel like it's a little untitled on our end. It's a little. Okay, wait a minute. Let's go back because we're responding because I wanted to talk about reading <laughs> real quick. Oh, well. Oh. Just to, yeah, because I don't want to lose that thread because you're right. Your, your answer you gave about reading was correct because I Googled it. And it was so funny because when I typed in why do some 
why don't people like read? I was going to type in why don't people like reading, but it filled it in for me and it put in why don't people like me? <laughs> I was oh. like, oh, a lot of people have Googled that. That's so sad. But yeah, um, the things that came up were lack of concentration and we live in a fast paced world. Mm-hmm. where there's always something competing for our attention. So, yes. So that's why we're here, people. We're heroes. We're here to read the books you don't have time to read and let you decide. Because I think the presumption that this is the holy word of God is an error. Well, also the point I was going to make with all of what I was just saying was I think sometimes you have to take a step back and learn to appreciate things in the moment. Versus trying to like always get to the next thing. And I have to remind myself of that. And I like to remind other people of that because, you know, there is some some beauty in the process of figuring something out or reading a book and going through it. And as, as boring as this Bible has been as a collective as a whole, it still has been interesting to go through it and record these episodes and discuss this stuff. So, I mean, there's some trade-off. For sure. Um, And I think that we're, like I said, we're the real heroes here. (laughs) Okay. But, yeah, we're going to get back into this because, like I said, my my assertion is, even though I've been told my whole life that this is the perfect word of God and I should be living my life by it, the reading of it hasn't bared that out and i think in our lives we need to realize some stuff isn't true just because we've just been told over and over again that it is oh but it'd be nice if it was i mean it would be much simpler but you know the the truth demands to be felt sidebars slightly I had an interesting thought with the the war that's going on right now in is it Gaza, Gaza, Israel, mm-hmm. um, and I had saw something on my Instagram that had said since it's a I guess would we define this as a holy war? I would, yeah. Okay, I had seen something on my Instagram that was people were mad at Drake for not like I guess s- speaking out or or signing a petition for whatever i guess a whole bunch of celebrities did it also drake is i guess jewish so maybe that's also why mm-hmm. i wasn't he's completely. like half jewish yeah it wasn't well, i mean he's jewish because his mom's jewish yeah but i guess well, my question is gonna be do you think that all, all these because jordan peele was on the side like on the petition a whole bunch of people I'm just thinking like that stuff matters. Okay, that was going to be my question. (laughs) Like, do you think think that ultimately matters? Like, people can lend their name or not lend their name to whatever they want to. They can feel however they want to about stuff. Um, Drake isn't important when it comes to world leadership. He's an entertainer, Um, Mm -hmm. and he's good at entertaining. And that doesn't mean he's good at anything else. Like, I don't. Just because he's like, you know, his mom's Jewish, he might have. It's not like he's a rabbi, you know, like this isn't like someone I, I and maybe who knows, maybe he is like a, you know, ancient like scholar on this stuff. 
But ultimately, it's coming down to the fact that, you know, the people who were in power when Israel was established believed that the Bible was like magic. And so, and that's to me is the most pernicious part of it is the fact that all of these Christian groups who are like, we're pro-Israel, you got to stand with Israel, pro-Israel. It's not because they just love the Jewish people so much. It's because according to their religious dogma, the Jews have to be in Israel before Jesus can come back and destroy it. Like, that's the whole thing. They want them there so that Jesus can, um, you know, be all mad at them for not backing him up on the cross thing. So, you know, for them, they're like, yeah, get these Muslims out of here. They're messing up our plan. And I think all of that is insane. Okay. Well, I think you nailed it in the first. I just wonder if, I just think if, I just, when I saw that, I just was wondering if anybody, world leaders or anybody, they see, do they even care if some celebrities sign their names to something? Now, here's the thing. Like, sometimes that shit can work because that's how they got them hostages out of North Korea. Because, like, Bill Clinton and Dennis Rodman and shit went over there. You know, like, sometimes celebrity can, like, that's a type of soft power that can be very persuasive. So, I don't want to negate that, like, it couldn't maybe move the dial. But I don't think, like... I'm just curious about what the conversation is, though. Yeah, I don't know how much pull Drake has over there. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what you just said. Like, I, I guess I need to look, I need to educate myself and look more into it. But I'm just thinking, like... So Dennis Rodman walks in the room and is like, hey, come on. I'm no, Dennis Rodman. No, it was wild because like um, Kim, Jong, <laughs> Kim Jong-il, like the dude before Kim Jong-un, he was super into the 90s bulls. I mean, who wasn't? I mean, they oh, were amazing. Okay. So like, yeah, he was already like a fan of them. So when you you know add him to the thing, it's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm li- willing to listen now. Got you. Okay. Well. I guess okay. <laughs> Actually, I felt That's like back they wanted to solve this like back in the like nineties. They should have had Leonardo DiCaprio because Titanic was huge over there. I mean, of course, it was huge here. It was a global hit, but like it was uh, like all the boys like they got their hair cut like him because all the girls were just super into it and it was like forbidden like it was western you know a western movie so nobody was supposed to have watched it but everyone watched it and loved it and so like yeah that was the kind of example where it's like if you wanted to get a celebrity involved who knows he still might have some pull you know so i would recruit leonardo dicaprio before uh drake yeah, Leo's you know. still that fucking guy. Huh? I said Leo's still that guy. He is, for sure. We should get into this. This is a long one. Yep. Um, first Samuel 25 of the New Revised Standard Version. Death of Samuel. Now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. They buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David got up and went down to the wilderness of Paran. David and the wife of Nabal. There was a man in Maon whose poverty was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the, man, uh, now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was clever and beautiful, but the man was surly and mean. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, so David sent ten young men 
And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and create him in my name. Thus you shall salute him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did to them harm and they missed nothing. All the time they were in Carmel. Asher man and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your heart for we have come on a feast please give whatever you have had to your servants and to your son david when david's young men came they said all this to nabal in the name of david and then they waited but nabal answered david's servants who is david who is the son of jesse there are many servants today who are breaking away from their masters shall i take my bread and my water and the meat that I have butchered from my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. David said to his men, every man strapped on his sword and every one of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword and about 400 men went up after David while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife. David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he shouted insults at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we never missed anything when we were in the fields as long as we were with them. They were a wall to us both night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, Therefore, know this and consider what you should do, for evil has been decided against our master and against all our house. He is so ill-natured that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail hurried and took two hundred loaves, two skins of wine, five, sheep's re five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched grain, one hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs. She, loaned them on she loaded them on donkeys and said to her young men, Go on ahead of me, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, David and all his men down toward her, and she met him. Now David said, "Now David has said, surely it was in vain that I had protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. But he has returned me evil for good. God do so to David, and more also, by if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him." When Abigail saw David, she hurried and alighted, alighted, alighted from the donkey, um, fell before David on her face, bowing to the ground. She flew. She fell at his feet and said, "Upon me alone, my Lord, be the gift. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. My Lord, do not take seriously this ill-natured fellow. Nabal, for all his name is, uh, so he is Nabal, is his name." And folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, since the Lord has restrained from you blood guilt, and from taking vengeance with your own hand, now let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be like Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil should not be found 
in you as long as you live. If anyone shall rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living under the care of the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. When the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you a price over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief, no pangs of con conscience for having shed blood without cause or for having saved himself and when the lord has dealt with my lord then remember your servant david said to abigail blessed to the blessed be the lord the god of israel who sent you to meet me today blessed be your good sense and blessed be you who have kept me today from blood guilt and from avenging myself by my own hand for surely as the lord the God of Israel lives who have restrained me from hurting you unless you had hurried and come to meet me and truly by morning there would have not been left to Nabal so much as one male then David received from her what she had brought him he said to her go up to your house and peace see I have heeded your voice and I have granted your petition Abigail came to Nabal he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunk so he took so he so she told him nothing at all until the morning light in the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal his wife told him these things and his heart died within him he became like a stone about 10 days later the Lord struck Nabal and he died when David learned when David heard that Nabal was dead he said blessed be the Lord who has judged the case of Nabal's insult to me and has kept back his servant from evil the Lord has returned the evil doing of Nabal upon his own head then David sent and wooed Abigail to make her his wife when David's servants came to Abigail at Carmel they said to her David has sent us to you to make you to him as his wife she rose and bowed down with her face to the ground and said your servant is a slave to wash the feet of your of the servants of my lord abigail got up hurriedly and rode away on a donkey her five maids attended her she went from the messengers of david and became his wife david also married ahinoam of jezreel uh, both of them became his wives saul had given his daughter micah david's wife to palti son of laish who was from galim galim Thanks be to God. Ooh, that was a lot. All right. Okay. Yes. Um, that was a lot. Um, they really glossed over Samuel's death. I thought there might have been a little more fanfare, seeing as how the entire uh, book of this Bible is named after him. But whatever. They're just like, now Samuel died. Anyway, more about David. And um, I have to be honest with you. David comes across as something of a thug. Um, please elaborate. So to me, the way the story broke down to me was, um, David was out in the wilderness, um, with his, you know, gang and they heard that Nabal, who was a rich guy in the area, actually it's funny cause he's in Carmel and where we're from, that's where the rich people live. 
And mm-hmm. so it would just be, let's just make it modern. It would have been like if some guy we knew named David was in a gang and he heard that they were having a barbecue out in Carmel and he sent like some of his gang members to the dude in Carmel and was like, hey, we heard y'all was breaking bread. Like, give us some. And the rich guy was like, no, I've never heard of you. And then sends them back. And then David's like, I'm going to kill this nigga. And it's like, whoa, like <laughs> you, you like, why are you entitled to his, you know, feast? Like, I don't even know where that he was. I mean, he's insulting me and he's insulted the Lord. Let's kill him. But then the wife gets word of what's going on. So she goes and she's like, oh, I've heard David, he kills people. Let me go send him some food so he doesn't kill us. So she does that. And then she probably, when she sees him, she sees he's super hot. That that part's not in there, but we just know that from, you know, the other stories. Yes. I think I think when she goes back to her husband, she poisons him. It doesn't say yeah. this, but just so happens he dies within 10 days of her meeting David. And then he asks, because, uh, you know, to, you know, uh, bring her into his harem, basically. Because, and then... We just learned that, yeah, he took her and another wife. And then that wife he had from Saul, he gave to somebody else. Because, once again, women don't have a choice in these matters. You're just a pawn on your daddy's chessboard. Oh, the good old times. Yeah. So, to me, that was, I'm, to me, that was thuggish as hell. That's, like, to me, like a desert warlord move. I had similar feelings. It definitely seemed like she killed him or was instructed to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, once again, this is the good book, guys. The good book. But they're just they're just asserting that, you know, because she was gassing him up. Like, once again, they said Abigail was clever. She was like, oh, this guy's a maniacal murderer. I know how to get to him. I'm going to pump up his ego. And she was like, surely the Lord is with you. There's so much blah, 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 blah. Like, she, she knew what she was doing for sure. So, uh, okay, let's just see what happens next. Uh, this book has made me exhausted on like just murder. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's like no big deal. Every other chapter is just hey, stabby, stabby, stab, stabs. Ransack this village. We're gonna kill these people and their king. And you know, if yeah. they have a god, we're gonna give them the rightful god. Like it's just like, man, when is mm-hmm. this? This is basically. I feel like this is just an ongoing, like, how Walking Dead is just still going. It's just like, Or, like, how the war in Israel is still going. Like, they're still, you know, kind of murdering each other for resources. It's very, very sad. 1 Samuel 26. David spares Saul's life a second time. These messy men. Okay. Then the Zephites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, David is hiding on the hill in Hatshelah, which is opposite Jessimon. So Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul encamped on the hill of Hatshelah, which is opposite of Jessihom, beside the road. But David remained in the wilderness. When he learned that Saul came after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed arrived. Then David set out and came to the place where Saul had encamped. David saw the place where Saul lay, with Abner son of Ner, the commander of his army. Saul was lying with encampment 
with the encampment while the army was encamped around him. Then David said to Amalek the Hittite and to Joab's brother Abishai son of Zeruiah, who will go down with me into the camp of Saul? Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night where Saul lay sleeping within the encampment with his spear stuck in the ground at his head and Abner and the army lay around him. Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hands today. Now, therefore, let me pin him to the ground with one stroke of the spear. I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can raise his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him down, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. But now, take the spear at his head and the water jar and let us go. So David took the spear that was at Saul's head and the water jar, and they went away. No one saw it, and nor knew it, nor did anyone awake, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Then David went over to the other side and stood at the top of the hill far away with a great distance between them. And David called to the army of Abner, son of Ner, saying, Abner, will you not answer? Then Abner replied, Who are you that calls to the king? David said to Abner, Are you not a man who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your lord the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not kept watch over your lord, the lord's anointed. See now, where is the king's spear or the water jug or the water jar that was at his head? Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son David? David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. He added, Why does my lord pursue his servant? For what have I done? What guilt is on my hands? Now, therefore, let my lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If it is the lord who has stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. But it, if it is mortals may they be cursed before the lord for they have driven me out today from my share in the heritage of the lord saying go serve other gods now therefore do not let my blood fall to the ground away from the presence of the lord for the king of israel has come out to seek a single flea like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains then saul said i have done wrong come back my son david for i will never harm you again because my life was precious in your sight today I have been a fool and have made a great mistake. David replied, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today, but I would not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed, as your life was precious today in my sight. So may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and may he rescue me from all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to G-O-D. Um, so that was interesting. David got the drop on Saul, but decided to let him go. Again. I feel like we've read that before, too. This was the second time letting him go, right? That was the name of the story. David Spears Saul. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, yeah. calm down. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. This one was, I don't know. I feel, once again, like, okay. There's David a lesson was, here. 
David was talking a lot of shit to Abner, like, oh, you let me get the drop on you. But it's like, you, it just said in the text that the Lord put a great sleep on everyone. But at the same time, like, David knew the Lord wouldn't really want him to kill Saul because Saul is God's anointed. To me, it was very convoluted. Okay. Because I can't tell who's supposed to be the good guy. If it's the Lord, then why are you playing these games? And if it's David, like he's being seen as this great magnanimous guy because he didn't kill Saul, but he's killed so many people. And then Saul, he's just chasing after David, basically kind of out of, to me, what looks like jealousy and insecurity. Yeah. So who's the good guy? I have no clue, honestly. I mean, I guess David because he's hot, uh, supposedly. But Saul's tall. I don't know. I really feel like the real lesson here is to let life handle your enemies. Okay. I, think I would that agree if I was with a preacher, that if that David just didn't already kill so many people. I think he did the right thing in this instance by not killing Saul. But don't worry about those people; they were just background. I guess they were just stormtroopers. Yes, exactly. I don't I know. To me, that's one of the things that always bothered me about the Lord: that some lives were precious in His sight, and others weren't. To me, it's bizarre. I got nothing for you because okay. I've I've <laughs> I have uh, struggled with this all the time. I don't know how God has favorites, and it's but even if you're His favorite, then still stuff can happen to you, <laughs> and then it's like a lesson for you to learn because God wanted to make you stronger. But also, if you reject Him, stuff can still happen to you. You know, so I just I don't I don't really know why I would follow this. I, I guess just, just to hedge your bets. You know, I was talking to um my ex the other the other day, and somehow religion got brought up. Oh, I think because I said I'm done dating women who um. I was I'm not doing the Christian thing like that. I'm like done. And um when it when it's an abrasive like part of their lifestyle. And I was like, you know, it's crazy cuz the pastor will try to tell you like, "Oh, you have to believe in God." I was like, "No, you know what I believe in? I believe in me. I believe in me." That's what I believe in. Like I like I know I have to get me. And so Maybe if everybody, more people, not if more people had that attitude, then I don't know. Maybe the world, maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in a holy war. I don't, I don't know. Well, there's definitely no reason for it. To me, that's why it's always war is so sad and wasteful because it's like, what are we really doing here? Like, and here's the thing: I, I, I honestly and truly believe because let's say that there is a God, like 
in according to Christian theology, the God they worship created the universe. Like, why does this God need our help? Like, it's always this idea that you have to be a part of God's plan. It's like, but if I'm able to derail God's plan, you're not describing a very powerful entity. Like, it, it would be like me being like, in the same way, like me not believing in gravity would not stop gravity from working. Like gravity doesn't need my belief. Things that are real do not need my belief. They just work. Well, then, because then I feel like people would say like, oh, well, you're just looking at it wrong. This is this is where it becomes all of the problem for me. I don't know if I brought this up sidebar, sort of, but still dealing with this. I don't know if I brought this up on this podcast before, but I meant to tell you this. because I don't even know if you know this about me. My senior year, we had to do a project, senior project. I do know this about you. You just proved God. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was thinking about that the other day, just like, because I mean, I've told that story before, but I was really just thinking like, golly, you have some fucking balls. Like... Like to to do that, I know it's this nappy-headed colored Negro, it talking out of his darky mouth, telling us that our white savior doesn't exist. It's like what the fuck. To this day, I don't even know it, what grade I had, got on that. I never went and checked, but I mean, I got my high school diploma, so I must, you know, whatever. I think it's so funny because. I think a lot of people who are deep in the church are very aware that this stuff isn't supernatural. Like there's a lot of people who work for the church. There's this organization called the clergy project that's specifically for like pastors and people who are like in the church who don't believe anymore, but there's nothing else they can do with their life. And, like, they feel trapped because, like, if you all of a sudden just say, like, oh, I don't believe this anymore, you lose your job, you lose your family, you lose your social network. Like, it's not an it's not something as easy as just, oh, I don't believe anymore. Hope we can still be cool. And that's where that's one of my biggest issues with the whole structure of this is the the ostracism. Is that a word? of people ostracization of people like i don't like that dynamic of oh we don't agree on this thing therefore i can't even be around you i don't want it like that just seems very short-sighted to me but because i don't particularly operate like that i actually enjoy people who are different from me because it allows me to learn from that and then when i'm making decisions going forward i take those things into consideration so i don't i mean but that's just me Hmm. particularly like when it comes to women's issues because having the opportunity to be around women and hear their word you know I'm like, oh, you know, they actually do be having a point sometimes. So then when I hear the frustrations from the guys, I'm like, oh, you know, like well, she's probably acting like this because of this. This is what I've been told. So these things help. Yeah. Well, fortunately, this next one isn't a long one. I know. I'm excited about. Yeah. 
Well, let's see what David's getting into now. It's just interesting to me, like, David is, like, this very revered biblical figure. And so far, he's not, like, even by the standards of his time, he's not that great. He's the ghost of the Bible. He's the ghost or the goat? James St. Patrick, ghost. Oh, he's the ghost. No, he's not ghost because everybody knows he's doing the killing. Like the whole thing about ghost was like, oh, man, we, we don't even know who did it. He was just disappeared like a ghost. But David's like, oh, I did that shit. Like everybody knows David, son of Jesse, killed all them people, got the foreskins in a bucket, like did it like it was that was me. But like it's he hasn't done anything. Like, I'm he's really killed people. He, he learned how to play the lyre. Like he's a musician. Like that's that's cool. I'm I admire musicians generally. So that's like an aspect of his personality I could admire. But well, Napoleon said, "What do you mean by he learned how to play the lyre? Are you saying like he knows?" He learned how like because he would play music for Saul to calm him down. Okay, I thought. You I mean, were. I'm just saying that's a positive attribute for a human to have i was just trying to think of something positive to say about him everything well, else i think about from a leadership standpoint is like I'm, he d- he's, he does from what i've interpreted he does a interesting job of killing a lot of people and still in, still remaining likable but i mean this is back i okay but i don't admire that okay yeah i don't i don't think that's something like i like if i'm thinking about like a person like now like i wouldn't admire someone just because they were able to remain likable while still committing like genocides i mean i I don't think those are huh i don't think those are um i don't know i was trying to give something to david all right i don't know yeah (laughs) yeah I'm not. I don't, I'm not even gonna go use a lot of brain power to try to justify my point because I was just trying to put something out there for him. Um, but David, one Samuel twenty-seven is David serves King Akish of Gath. David said in his heart, "I shall not perish one day. Uh, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David set out and went over, he and the six hundred men who were with him, to King Akesh, son of Maok of Gath. David stayed with Akesh at Gath, he and his troops, every man with his household, and David with his two wives. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought for him. Then David said to Kish, If I have found favor in your sight, let a place be given me. Let a place be given me in one of the country towns, so that I may live here. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you, so that the day Akish gave him Ziklag? Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. The length of time that David lived in the country of the Philistines was one year and four months. Now, David and his men went up and made raids on the Gezrites, the Gerizites, and the Amalekites. For these were the landed settlements from Telam. 
On the way to Shur and on the land of Egypt, David struck the land, leaving neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing, and came back to Akish. When Akish asked, Against whom have you made a raid today? David would say, Against the Nagab of Judah, or against the Nagab of the Jeremelites, or against the Nagab of the Kenites. David left neither man nor woman alive to be brought back to Gath, thinking this might tell about us and say David has done so and so. Such was his practice all the time he lived in the country of the Philistines. Uh, or Philistines. Akish trusted David, thinking he has made himself utterly abhorrent to these people, Israel, to his people Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. David is a fucking psychopath. I agree. I was just thinking this is, uh, he's reminding me more and more of Genghis Khan. Yeah, I was getting heavy Genghis Khan vibes. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure Genghis Khan thought that he was operating under divine authority as well. Do you think so? I'm just, I'm, uh, okay. They had a different spirituality. Like, it wasn't like the God that, you know, he wasn't brought up with the Bible and, you know, um, but he i mean they had their own uh i don't i'm not going to profess to know anything about like the sort of uh mongol you know genghis khan you know religious period i do know that he was a fan of kind of letting his conquered people keep whatever religious tradition they already had he wasn't big on making everybody be his religion but yeah um uh, but yeah, the fact that he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go on some raids. I'm like, wow, we're just going to call them raids. That's very thuggish. Um, and he killed the men and women. Cool. And just took their shit. Like, you know, for a book that says do not steal, <laughs> there are a lot of examples of just going into people's territories and just taking their shit. And it does not surprise me why the world is the way it is, because of shit like this. People have been yeah, doing if this the forever. Lord says it's okay, then you can do it. That's that divine pisses mandate. Me off. Like, can we just like? Okay, I get somebody might have something that you like, mm-hmm. but I think in kindergarten we're just told to ask, man. Like, if David wanted some of their resources, maybe he could have just fucking asked or traded with them or some shit like that. Like murdering people because they have the thing you want is fucking ridiculous. Also, the dude he's serving, the king of Kish, he seems very grimy, too, because his whole thing is like, yeah, David will be faithful to me because he burnt all his bridges with his people. And it's like, if he's willing to burn his bridges with his people, what is he willing to do to me? That would not make me feel safer. I don't know. And quite honestly, I, this is weird, too, because these are stories I don't really remember. I just continue to read this, and I'm, I don't know if existential crisis is the term because i'm not really having that but i do i often feel like between reading this and then going out in the real world and seeing some of the shit that is projecting the real world possibly because of connection to this the bible i just often have to ask myself like dude am i in the fucking matrix for real (laughs) like seriously because 
it is frustrating. I, I have been, you know, dealing with a little lightweight depression lately, you know, just dealing with some family stuff and then it's cold and then I'm hyper aware of how hyper Christian the area is we live in and just how dangerous that is. Like people try to make it seem like it's like this like happy friendly thing, but I feel like religiosity has gotten like gone up, at least like with people professing it like on their social media and stuff and all this like god did it and i i can't over i can't over communicate how much of this especially because you know most of my communication is with black people because it's how i grew up and life's still pretty segregated but like just how much it's it's hard for me to watch because it's so clear that this is a trauma response from slavery. Like this isn't our original spiritual practice. Like this was something that was literally forced upon us. And I think for so many people, they feel like it's a path to whiteness or white acceptance. And that's something that's never going to happen. So to me, there's no reason to do it because it obviously doesn't work. It promotes slavery and genocide. It's it gets you to like take the wrong sides of like arguments like outlawing abortion, which most people don't even understand, like gynecological care. And then also um, like not preparing people for climate change because you think Jesus is coming any day. So we don't have to take care of the planet. Like a lot of this stuff has like real world consequences that makes our lives worse, but nobody wants to admit that they're wrong or that their parents are wrong. Would the proper term to, I guess, overwrite some of this be like people need to take critical thinking courses or something? I don't, I think, I don't exactly know. I mean, my idea was to start a podcast. So, um, but solving it like on a larger level, I think, I think people have to realize it for themselves. Like we've talked about this before. Like, I don't think you can really talk believers out of their beliefs, Hmm. but I think you can sort of lay a cord sort of like clues Like, I think you can just plant little logic bombs sometimes because to me, there's I I have no problem with laying down a belief if it's proven to not be true. Like, I would rather believe as many true things as possible and as few untrue things as possible. And I'm not as conceited to think that all the beliefs I have are true. I'm just willing to hear like. Oh, yeah, there's nothing in my mind that's so sacred that it's like, oh, no, I can't possibly change my mind on that. Well, I think that's interesting because then it becomes a perspective thing. Like what we're doing, I imagine a lot of people be like, oh, how arrogant of you. But in my mind, this is very humble to be like, you know, actually, I don't agree with this and I don't think it's working. And maybe we should try something else and i've said this before it's not like like it's not like i wouldn't necessarily not want a god like i mean who wouldn't want to what you said you probably wouldn't want to but like go to heaven and live in this eternal peace like that's kind of um it's enticing but also 
But even that, only if you don't think about it for too long. I, I, I just feel, again, going back. Would I just you want to be, like, kind of trapped, like, non-corporally? You know what I mean? Like, I to me, it ends up like an episode that. of, like, Black Mirror when your consciousness is just trapped forever in, like, a mainframe or something. On a, on a daily, almost a daily basis, like, because it's... <laughs> Things would stop being as enjoyable, I guess. But do you have anything else to add to our wonderful? Um, I hope that everyone is living in their truth. Um, I want to also thank all of our new listeners for tuning in. Yes, it's actually been. Yeah, it's actually been very fun to see like the different places on the globe where we're being listened to. That's really fun. So thank you for that. And no matter where, no matter where you are, your body belongs to you. So have some fun with it. Be curious, not judgmental. I like that. I said that to somebody uh, the other day. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, next time on Bible Breakdown Podcast, we'll be talking about Samuel 28, 29, and wait, wait, wait for it, in 30. Um, Saul, he's going to consult a medium. Ooh, the spooky. That's how, oh, we should have read that for Halloween. <laughs> the Philistines are going to reject David. I could, David I could see how that could happen because he likes killing them. We'll see what happens. Maybe he'll get his comeuppance. Um, David avenges the destruction of Ziklag. Yeah, yeah. This is this is great. It is. is We're doing great. Um, Thank you so much for going on this journey with me. It would be a lot harder if I didn't have someone else who kind of we don't see completely eye to eye on everything, but on this. I think we're pretty you you kind of get it more than most yeah and um i continue to question what in my life has made me be like that i know it's like how am i not it feels because ignorance is bliss in a way it is like our lives would be so much we would have so much more money if we were like willing to do the shits <laughs> like oh yeah. uh, Oh, oh, because people love religious podcasts. My aunt was basically giving me the rundown. She listens like three hours of like religious podcast every morning. And then you're more likely to buy the stuff that's advertised because they'll basically buy anything that's, you know, labeled Christian. That's like the same thing like with like doing like Christian movies and stuff like that. That's why they're all so terrible. I can't. I can't. All right, but yes, I'm. I'm overall. I'm just very grateful. You're welcome. Also, I appreciate you. Um, Bible Breakdown Podcast at Gmail dot com. Reach out to us there or um, Instagram Bible Breakdown Podcast. See you all soon. Take care.